0: Hi, it's Michelle. Thank you for joining me for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You Channel. So we've been talking about uh, the pivot out of a season of cursing. We've gone around this mountain long enough into a season of blessing, life, and more abundantly above all that we can ask or think, according to the leading and compelling of Holy Spirit. In in that Spirit, the Spirit of the Lord, we're going to walk through. Galatians 5. Uh, many of you that know me know that this is one of the pivotal scriptures that I use when helping people to understand discernment and how to detect it in our own lives, understanding that all of us as prof have fallen short of the glory of the Lord. And this is what helps us in understanding when he is correcting us uh generally when the Lord is speaking, he's correcting us individually, but we like to take that and then kind of shovel it over to the next person, and that's not what the Bible is about. The Bible is about the Lord speaking to us. He's, so he's speaking publicly, yes. There's that very general, general, um, general, generous persona that he has that says, this is what I did for everyone. But in terms of him speaking to us, it doesn't mean he changes the rules, and I need to be very clear about that. I'm not talking about changing the rules. I'm talking about the fact that he speaks to us within the contexts in which he's placed us. So no one knows more about us individually than the Lord himself. And that is how we have to live. That is how we, I'm not going to say have to, that's how he ordained or ordained desires for us to live we don't all do that it's part of our growth process in many ways but some of us are just flat out resistant to it and we're not going to do it i hope that's not the case for you but at any rate let's read galatians 5 because in order to pivot out of a season of cursing and into a season of blessing you have to understand what you're dealing with um I'm not sure why in many instances we've moved so far away from the actual scripture into a place of more interpretation when the Bible clearly states that the word of God is not subject to interpretation. It does, that doesn't mean we won't interpret or attempt to interpret for ourselves and for others to make the Bible say what we want or need it to say. It just means that what he said, he's what he said. And regardless of what we think or feel or do or don't do, that is what he said. So anything like that in your life you need to put a check on, I don't need to put a check on you, you need to put a check on yourself. No one else should need to check you, you need to put a check on yourself. But the Bible is written from God, yes, to us, but more importantly to you, to me. Because what we do individually determines our part in the collective, the house of God, the people of God. And everyone has the exact same opportunity. We holler about equality to people that could never provide it, and yet the one who made a way to do it, we want to ignore him and act like he doesn't exist. Okay, that's not going to be my story, and I hope it's not yours. So Galatians 5, I'm in the KJV, King James Version. Stand fast, and I'm going to read this because I think it's important read it the whole gospel the full gospel stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage now let me just share with you when i read these personally the danger quote unquote i say that very tongue in cheek very lightheartedly the danger is that each time i read the scripture holy spirit shows me something Expands on something he's already shown me or he shows me something new based on what that season for me personally is. So just know that even though we're talking about moving out of a season of cursing into blessing, the Lord is always trying to do that for us. Not trying. The Lord does. He doesn't try. The Lord is always moving us from a place of cursing to blessing because it doesn't – we are in a growth process. We are in a process, so it doesn't all happen at once. So depending on what season it is for me personally – He may be speaking. So it is possible that as I read this to you, he'll show me some things, or he'll on expand on some things, or just have me share some things that he's already shown me. I just that's a kind of a disclaimer, but not. Stand Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now, many people don't like to read the King James Version for whatever reason. Judgment-free zone, drama-free zone, it doesn't matter what your reason is. What I'm going to say to you is read the King James Version. Find a way to read it, and when I read it or share with you through my podcast, I will give you as many pointers as I can. If your challenge is that you have some reading issues, uh, if you can't see the writing or you just you know have not always been a good reader, fix that. The Lord has made a way, and he'll heal you in those areas. So. I'm going to do some light because this generally applies as you read King James Version when I'm getting giving you tips, they generally apply throughout the scripture. So anytime you read it and, and so we've then gone to other people's interpretations, either because we don't like reading the King James or because we like it better. This isn't about it's not subject to interpretation. I don't care who's writing it. This was the inspired version. Does it mean it is totally comprehensive of everything that happened. It means this is what he saw fit to have documented doesn't mean there isn't more more knowledge to be had it doesn't mean any of that but we don't even know this how are we going to master anything else that being so let me let me just go back galatians 5 verse 1 stand fast therefore and so this is coming out of galatians 4 where the last sentence is so then brethren and even though it says, "Brethren," which is potentially a gender reference, which could be triggering for some of you, just understand that he is not God has never been only about one group of people. He died for the entire of the whole of humanity. So don't be thrown off by these references. We are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free. We're not children. Of the bondwoman, but of the uh, of the free. So that's the justification or the premise upon which we move into the next chapter, as it is written. Stand therefore, stand fast therefore, because we are free in that liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Okay, this is how we're supposed to live and operate according to the spirit of liberty. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. We're good at quoting it. We're not good at living it. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if you be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. So that is specifically a gender reference if you think of it physically. That's why he, 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 go, he clarifies at several points the circumcision of heart. If you understand the physical circumcision of males and why that happens, it wasn't just a sign of the covenant. It was because there was there's excess skin. So if it's not needed, why is it there? That became a sign of the covenant. But he clarifies, which eliminates the gender reference or the specificity of that practice being only to males. He says, if you be circumcised physically, Christ shall profit you nothing. He says there's nothing, as, whereas in the Old Testament it was established as a practice because Christ had not yet come. Understand the why, not just the what. That if you put your basis of existence and your faith on circumcision, physical circumcision, he says you're accountable to the whole law. The way this works is is if that's how you claim to be in faith or out of faith, if that's how you claim righteousness, then you got to do the whole thing. Right? No grace. There's no grace there. For I testify again to every man, now this is a gender reference, that is physically circumcised, that he is a debtor to the whole law. That's what I just said. Debtor. Obligated. You're in debt to. Christ is become of no effect unto you, because Christ, Christ is not saying that these physical things are what make you righteous. It's only through him by accepting what he did in faith. That's why he can then talk about the circumcision of the heart. The heart meaning the spirit. Your heart, your heart of hearts, not your physical heart, your heart of hearts. The essence and the center and the core of who you are is your spirit. So when he says that, your heart, he's talking about your heart, of the heart of your existence, your spiritual existence. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whoever of you, who whosoever are of you are justified by the law, you've given up grace. You've fallen from grace. Grace isn't about fulfilling the law perfectly. If it was, then we all failed. We all failed when Adam failed. So he says, you can't get that back. That's already gone. I'm here because you lost it. Not because I'm telling you to try to do these things over and over again to regain it. You've already lost it. You can't get it back. For we through the Spirit, what Spirit? The Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that was in Christ, the Spirit of God. Wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. By faith. It is by grace through faith. That's another scripture, separate scripture. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision avails anything. When he says avails, it means circumcision doesn't get us anything, nor uncircumcision. Circumcision nor uncircumcision. Uncir- so he's saying specific gender reference here basically because he's talking about the, those, of, those, those among us who think that duty and practice and ritual is what gets us into the kingdom of God or gets us the benefit of knowing Christ. He says, nope, that's not it anymore. It may have been a practice before, and even then it was a failed, uh, had a potential to fail because you still couldn't do the whole thing. So he's basically telling us what works and what doesn't, but he's also telling us how he sees it. Yeah, I had you do this then because that was at least an indication that you were committed. But even then you failed because even though you may have been circumcised, you still didn't do everything else. For in Christ Jesus, I'm in Galatians 5, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but faith, which works by love. It is by grace through faith. Right? Here he says, by faith, which works by love. So if we don't love, there is no faith. Read that again. Remember, if-then proposition. He's telling us what it is. Now, he's not asking us to interpret what he's saying. He's saying this is what it is. If you don't have love, you cannot have faith because faith works by love. You did run well. (laughs) I'm thinking of a song right now. I'm not going to start singing it, though, because if I do, you'll lose me. You did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? This persuasion comes not. Don't be afraid of, by the way, cometh, s. If you see E-T-H in the King James, just replace it with an s. Comes. Goeth, goes. Heareth, hears. Just replace it with an s. Is thou thee is you right? There's certain things that just apply. If you see ETH, don't be intimidated by it, just replace it with an S. Okay, so this persuasion comes not of him that called you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. When you're baking, I love to bake, and when you're baking. You have a leavener, something that makes it rise, makes the cake or the muffin or the whatever it is you're making. If it calls for a leavener, that means that, that it has to rise, that it needs something, a chemical reaction to cause it to rise. So here he's using the process of baking because baking was as prevalent then as it is now, if not more so. All it need, but, but you don't need a whole lot. So I could use a cup of flour, but only of a quarter of a quarter of a teaspoon or so, or a teaspoon of baking soda, baking powder, powder, whatever other leavener there might be. You don't need as much of the leavener as you do of the actual other ingredients. He's saying just a little; that'll that'll go through the whole thing. That'll cause a chemical reaction in the whole thing. Here, he's saying he's using a physical circumcision leaven. He's using physical leavening, physical processes to help us understand spiritual principles. It is is very clear that all of this is parabolic in nature. It's actual, but it's parabolic. The lessons are parabolic in nature. Jesus is not the only one that used parables. He's saying, I have to use parables because you don't understand the spiritual thing yet. So I have to use something that you're accustomed to in order to convey to you the greater spiritual principle which is actually what you're being governed by. A little leaven leaveneth the whole bunch. Leavens a little leaven, a little leavener, leavens the whole lump, the whole batch, the whole uh, bowl of batter, the whole bowl of dough. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be not none otherwise minded. Basically, he's saying that you will be fixed, that you will be steady, that you will be steadfast. Stand fast, steadfast. So he's saying, stand fast, therefore, and then he comes back and says, these are the things that have happened. You've put your, you you know, in in verses 2 through uh, 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 8 or 9, he's saying, I have confidence. He, He goes back and he says all the things that have happened or things that he's seen evidence of, and then he says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be not otherwise minded, that you won't let these things either continue to happen or begin to happen or continue much longer. Because it's already started. I I need you to stand fast in the liberty way where Christ has made you free. I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded, but he that troubles you shall bear his own judgment. Whoever, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I suffer persecution? So basically he's saying, I am circumcised. So why am I still being persecuted? If that's how you're going to judge this thing by circumcision, then why is there still persecution that exists? If righteousness is based on this particular rule, the way you claim it does and the way you want to tell everybody else it does, then why am I still being persecuted when you have already said I have met the basis of your law? That's hypocritical, so that's the essence of hypocrisy. I'm, you told me to do something, and I, this is not the case in Paul's, with Paul, but for many it is. You told me to do something, but you're still judging me because this is just your way of keeping me in a certain place. So if this were the true essence of what you, based on what you're telling me, then I wouldn't still be persecuted. That means there's something more here in play here. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then then is the offense of the cross ceased. Look these words up, too. I want to encourage you to get a dictionary and a thesaurus if you need it. Don't just use the online tools. There's something about sitting with and touching and smelling even uh, and holding close the word of God in other books. Don't think that everything's online. It might be online, but it's not doing you any good because you can't interact with it the same way. That's just a side note. Verse twelve. I, <clears throat> I would. They were even cut off, which trouble you. Now he's not saying. <coughs> just be very clear. <coughs> Excuse me. He's not saying dead, destroyed. He's saying no access. That they wouldn't have access to, to you. So he's saying something something very very profound here he's saying the people that troubled you are among you they look like they're of the same cut of the same cloth they're going to church or synagogue or wherever just like you whatever your faith your your house house of worship is wherever they were going to worship and i think at this point it was from house to house so he's saying they're walking right in there with you They're interacting, they they look quote unquote normal. For brethren, ye have been called into liberty, blessing, freedom, liberty, deliverance, healing, wholeness, love, peace, joy, truth, unity. Only use not liberty. Ha! Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love to serve one another. Moving out of a place of cursing, this is me and mine. I got mine. You need to go get yours. What is wrong with you? I don't know why you can't work like I do. I, I work for this. Ain't nobody, right? But no, you didn't. You were given the ability to do it. That was part of your process. That doesn't mean you are not you're excluded from helping others through theirs. Knowledge puffs up. Love builds up. Knowledge is like air. That's what he's saying. You like, like Cheetos, you know, not the crunchy ones, the puffy ones. He's saying your knowledge is like Cheetos. It's just air. It's just puffed up air. It makes it look bigger, but it's not any, it's, it's actually less than. We have never been called to that. We have never been called to a place of deficit. We have never been called to a place of small heartedness and stinginess. Regardless of what we have, we've been called to liberty in love. And our liberty is upheld when we love. Love builds up. For all the law is fulfilled in this one word, in one word. Even in this, thou, you, shalt, shall, love, thy, your neighbor as yourself. Now, your neighbor, by the way, is not just the people that live closest to you. Your neighbor is every other human being, every member of humanity, particularly those, everyone that is alive right now on the earth at the same time you are. We are all neighbors by proximity. We are all in time on earth, not in eternity. We are humanity, not deity. We are neighbors. We are interdependent. We are proximate by association. Human, species, human beings, Homo sapiens, neighbors, neighbors in spirit and in many instances neighbors in truth because we are going through our own paths but the same process we have enough to make us unique but what what and that defines who we are individually but we are supposed to take that uniqueness and bring it together for the good of the whole And we've also tried – oh, now we have a platinum rule. We'll treat people as they want to be treated. That's not what the word says. It's not subject to interpretation. That may have value, but the, the, the law, the spiritual law is greater because what the spiritual law is saying is that in love, ultimately, we will all want to be treated with the highest level of respect. And honor and di- dignity, regardless of what our context is, which means it will cause me to treat someone that the way they want to be treated. But if I don't have love in me to begin with, then it'll never matter. We always think we're improving on something, and actually, we're just making it worse. I had a friend who used to say all the time, if we don't fix or, 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 or it, or who had shared with me that the Lord shared, specifically said, if you would stop fixing trying to fix it, quote-unquote, I, the Lord, would not have to repair it. It, it was something about that that just resonated because we're always doing that. We're fi- we are we got to fix people. we got to fix this. we got to fix that. And what we are missing is the fact that the Lord never told any of us to fix anybody. He said, I need you to focus on you. If you just focus on you and me and do the things that I tell you to do, then you would be surprised at the level of impact you will have because people will get healed in and through your life not of you but because they will want to come into relationship with me and I will heal them not for your convenience by the way but because that is what I always intended to do I am just giving you the opportunity to participate in the process verse 15 but if you bite and devour one another which we are very good at take heed that you be not consumed, or destroyed one of another. Have we not done that? And very easily, by the way, we have somehow justified how badly we treat each other in in the world, generally speaking, and in the church. The church proper and the church spiritual. I am justified because x and x and x and x and x and x and x X, list of things, bullet point by bullet point. This is what happened to me. Let me remind you that any element of unforgiveness in our hearts is first and foremost unforgiveness to the Lord. Well, what do you mean by that? That's a you can't say that. No, I can, and I have, and I will continue to say it because in our process in this whole process remember all have fallen short it is only because of the work of christ that we are even able to talk about it we're even here so he didn't promise that this whole process of walking in liberty walking in love walking in abundant life was going to be easy to get through because we have to walk out of the carnal tendencies The spirit of carnality is always at odds with the spirit of God in us until we humble ourselves and repent. That's when it begins to diminish. That has to be a daily practice. We like to talk about discipline when it comes to giving money, but we don't come talk about discipline when it comes to the essence of what the relationship is about, which is repentance. We don't understand why John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, that's all he said. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. That's that's how you get into the kingdom. Because repentance opens the door to the process that God has to take us through to get us where he needs us to be to feed the world. We are the love letters written to Christ, I mean by Christ to the world, living epistles. We are to bear his fruit so that others will want to come and eat of that fruit and they themselves then also become vessels through which he can feed those that are spiritually hungry and diminished. We don't even want to feed someone who needs food on the corner. Because we're too good for that. They did that to themselves. I'm going to promise you one thing. No child ever woke up and said they wanted to be hungry and homeless. So regardless of what your fallible judgments about other human beings are, just understand, even if you look at your own goals and dreams, regarding regardless of what your situation was or is, I promise you, you didn't wake up and ask for some things. There are some things that you just did not ask for even if you thought you were doing all right. So, continuing. Verse 15 is classic cursing, bite and devour, that for the intention of destroying someone. Now, either because that person or those people have seemingly done, have done things to us actually, or perceived because we haven't healed or been healed from our own stuff. So then we're going to treat them like they did something, even if they, they didn't actually do it or intend to do it. So some people will see your attempts because they are a certain way. They will project that onto you and deflect from their own mess because they've never dealt with the issues in their lives. That doesn't make them bad people. But I'm not taking that on because I know I have my own stuff to continue to deal with. I can walk with you. I cannot walk for you. And if you push me away, I'm going. I had to learn that lesson. It's a tough one to learn. But if you push me away, I'm going. Why? Because I can't do your process for you. But I'm also not going to let you, allow you to make me a scapegoat in the process. In your process. Right? That's not what God intended for us. He provided himself. So basically, when he's done all of this, he's saying, "Well, you all don't have any excuses. I know you use a lot of them, and you try to blame people for everything that happened to you." I personally have gone to the Lord and say, "I really don't believe this. I really, I am having difficulty with you right now because I cannot believe this these things, regardless of whether I think they're great or small. Really, this is why I say, I'm, and I'm being very transparent. Really, Lord." This is all we got? And if you're honest, you've had those kinds of moments, maybe not using that terminology, but you've had moments, even if you haven't articulated, where you have said, Lord, I've been seeking you for however long, and this is what we got? And he'll let you go on for a minute or two. And I mean a minute of his time because, you know, we don't know what his time is like. Sometimes His minutes right <laughs> for with the lord a day is as a thousand years and trust me there are days when it seems like a thousand years in our time but that's not what he intended for us he intended for his love for us to be filled with the spirit to see the the, the what Christ did to accept what Christ did Understanding that that process for him, having to do that to his son, uh, when I say do that, put his son on the cross for things he never did that that he that we would understand the totality and at the same time he didn't understand he didn't expect it. Because he knew he would, there would have to be work. If he didn't know that there would have to be work, he wouldn't have sent his spirit. So you see the Father in creation, the Son in manifestation and demonstration, and Holy Spirit in transformation. Well, then we have to argue about the fact that the Holy Spirit doesn't exist. And if he does exist, these can't be the manifestations because I'm not doing that. That's basically what we do. But he says, I die for the, everybody. I die for everybody. I'm not an exclusive God. I'm an inclusive God. Okay? So. Verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit, not the spirit of flesh and carnality, but I need you to walk in the spirit of God. I need you to walk in the power of Holy Spirit. I need you to know that there is another helper that I sent to you when Christ ascended because he even told you. He said, if I don't go, I can't send the other helper. So we like to talk about Pentecost, but we don't actually like to live in Pentecost. It has been Pentecost every single day since Holy Spirit poured out. What do I mean by that? Holy Spirit is ever present. When you're ready, it'll be Pentecost for you. Right? Because on that day they were filled, and then Peter gets up and he starts walking and doing miracles. He wasn't doing the miracles. It says in the shadow, people were getting healed in his shadow. <laughs> pick up the pick that up. The same shadow of the valley, right? Yeah, the eighth I walk through the shadow. A shadow is only created by light. So that, that that means that there was something or someone overshadowing Peter that was actually creating in the spirit the miracles that it seemed like he was healing. But Peter wasn't doing anything. He was walking. Just like sometimes people come up to me and say something, whatever. You said, I have no clue. I have no remembrance of it because I know it wasn't me. I don't remember that, but okay, praise the Lord. It is not us. I decrease. You decrease. That he will increase. So the goal is really for us to just be walking down the street and people getting healed. And we may not even see them, but they will remember us because the Lord intends for them to come come to us or for them to come to him as a result of us just passing by. Not thinking... Oh, I'm going to go heal so-and-so. We're going to make the Lord heal somebody today. Nope, not how it works. It may if we come with the right heart and if that's what he told us to do. That's why we have to check ourselves. What is the intent? What is the purpose? What are we trying to do? Are we trying to make something happen for God? When we come out of this place of cursing, which we are doing, I'm trusting you in this. The season is going to come whether you go with it or not. Out of a place of Cursing into blessing, it's not about us. I'm going to the grocery store. There's a person standing there. The Lord says, go say so-and-so. I don't know this person, Lord. I didn't ask you whether you knew them. I said, go say this. And you say whatever it is to the person. They break down or they say, I know what that means. Thank you for being obedient. And you're like, okay, (laughs) have a good day. I don't know what just happened. I'm going to go get my gallon of milk. That's what's supposed to be happening. Instead, we try to do things out of our need to be performative, and the Lord is saying, you're missing the point. (laughs) The point is not for you to do, to become. The point is to become so that you can do. Christ is not defined because he went to the cross. Christ is defined because he is... Because he is Christ and therefore went to the cross. His identity as the savior of the world is what put him on the cross. He didn't go to the cross to become Christ. He was Christ when he went. And in fact, had to go because he was. That's where we should be. That's what he's saying. I need Christ to be alive in you. This isn't about you. I need that thing that you consider to be governing you emotions intellect, all of those things the world has conditioned you to, I need that to go away because I actually need to live through you like you're all little jars and vessels that I just need to pour my spirit into so that I can pour myself out through you. Living epistles, living sacrifices, all oxymoronic. A living sacrifice? And we'll say, we we missed the whole thing. We can read about sacrifices and all the priests, the high priests did in the day, and they were in day and night, sacrifices, day and night. And we're going to say, well, I sacrificed 15 minutes ago." mm that's not what he's talking about. Because the fact that you could say that means that you haven't sacrificed anything because the sacrifice he's looking for is for that ego to die. Yeah, we're still in Galatians, Galatians 5. 16. This I say then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not, ye as you, shall not fulfill the lust, the carnality, the intention, the inclination of the flesh, which is also spirit. For the flesh, the spirit of flesh, lusts against the spirit of God, and the spirit against the flesh. So he's saying, On the one hand, he's saying, I need you to understand that these are the two things that are currently at work in you. I need you to choose because I'm not going to override the free choice that I gave you, the faculty for making your own choices. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you instruction. I even sent myself to guide you through the process, but I'm not going to fight you for it. But this is what is at odds in you. This is what's working. I'm trying to lead you. I'm not trying. God doesn't try. I'm leading you into a place of peace and healing. And you keep giving yourself over to this other thing but if you are led of the spirit you are not under the law he doesn't mean that we should be reckless careless and disobedient he's saying that i'm not holding you accountable to the standard of making sure you dot every i and cross every t and get everything perfect he's not saying there is no law he's saying when you fight if then if you follow my instruction and not place your faith or misplace your faith on what you can do, then I'm not going to hold you to the law in the same way. I'm going to give you credit for your desire to do the right thing. But for those that do not, I'm holding them to the whole law. He doesn't mean the law that goes away. He's saying, listen, but if you be led of the Spirit, meaning if I'm living through you, God Almighty, in Christ, by the power of Holy Spirit, you're not under the law. Why? Because I am the law. You will do the right things. Love is what drives this whole thing. You're going to treat, you're going to fulfill the Ten Commandments because I'm doing it. You're going to fulfill the love of your neighbor. Love God first and love your neighbor. Salvation isn't about God needing anything from us. Salvation is about Him showing us how much we need Him. So He's not saying there is no law that we. He's not even saying. He's not saying. If you're led of the Spirit, you're above the law. He's not saying that either. He says, I'm the law in you, manifested in you. So then everything that I desire for the whole of humanity can now, in whatever uh, measure that I apportioned it to you, now I can do that through you. Now you're going to do the right thing just because I'm there and that's what I do. There is no shadow of turning in me. Now, then he goes on to say, See, here's why we don't have excuses, because he te- he doesn't just tell us the who, the what, the when, the where, and the how. He tells us what it means. He says, okay, so just in case you don't know, here are the works of the flesh. I'm not going to read through all of that. 19 through 21. When we are led of the spirit of flesh, our own carnality, we know everything. Oh, where is God? I don't need God. Well, God is far off. He doesn't have a hand in the day-to-day things. There wouldn't be a day-to-day if it wasn't for the Lord. So 19 through 21, you need to read that. But, verse 22, I am going to read this. But the fruit of the Spirit is the fruit. Okay, so I'm going to do a quick, because I think I've shared this on another segment, but this is a good place to recap. When we talk about fruit, we talk about the fruit of the womb. What is that? A child. I didn't say fruit of the womb, by the way. I said fruit of the womb, W-O-M-B. That's a child. So we have these metaphors and these different ways that we say things. But when the Lord is speaking that way, he's, he's making correlations that are to enlighten us about what process and what his desire and his intention is. So he says the fruit of the spirit. He says here's how you know and how other people know whether or not you're true. He says because I'm not going to be present in you and not have these things manifest. So those of you that need a quick lesson in discernment, here's how you know. For yourself and for others, it's not just for you discerning for other people. You need to discern what spirit you're operating in first. Some days it's gonna be good, some days it's not gonna to be too good. So if you're not if you know you're not in that place, you need to repent and just ask the Lord to help you. Right? You that's what that's why I say daily repentance, because you're not gonna to have to be the same person every day. You're growing, you're gonna have growing pains. Doesn't mean that you're doing something wrong, that's part of the process. But if you are intentionally doing wrong things, that's all the more more reason to repent. But even if you're not, right, you repent even if you don't know what you're doing, if you're doing anything wrong, because that's part of the process. That helps to advance the process. If my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, so repentance and humbling go hand in hand. You can't repent if you're not humble. You can't humble yourself if you don't repent. So the fruit is what the Spirit bears through our lives in and through us to the world, to other people. The world is people. We are the world. So when he says to the world, I die for the whole world, he's going back to Genesis 12 2, where he says in Abram, all the families of the earth, the world, will be blessed, all But then he gives us individual, in a collective way, in a, in a group, public fashion. He says, here are the instructions. And it's just like sometimes being on a team. And I share with teams all the time. Don't think that somebody else is doing something that you were supposed to do. So if the, if the, if the, even if the instruction is being expressed publicly, either identify with God. And I'm not going to go into the whole team playing, team building thing. With God, even though the, the instruction may come publicly, you better make sure you're trying to do it or at least fall on, on your face before him to say, okay, uh, if this is something I'm supposed to do, I need you to move me into this process. Don't presume that he's not talking to you, which is what we do all the time. Well, i got this covered because I've been in church for, and I've been doing this and I've been giving. That's all performative. I'm not saying don't do those things. I'm saying there are other instructions that if you don't do the other things, he's holding you accountable for if what you're relying on is your performance. But the fruit of the spirit, he says, I'm not coming. Here's how you can tell. I'm not coming in, uh, you know, over you. I'm not coming to your life and not bearing my fruit. That's not how I operate. That might be how you operate. You might try to make people think that you're operating in love or joy while you treat them like dirt. But guess what? I know the truth. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, therefore, there you shall also reap. Why does he say that? Why does it seem like God is so harsh? Because he's already told us how to handle it. Right? He says, I am a just God. So I'm not going to tell you to do anything. Not only that he hasn't done but that he also didn't send himself to, to, to get us through, right? He's not saying, I'm going to come do this for you. He already did that. He went to the cross. He's saying, I know you can't be transformed into what I'm asking you to be without me. So I'm going to send my spirit. When you receive the spirit, then these are the other steps you need to follow in order for the spirit to be fully effectual in you, because I'm not going to fight you for it. I gave you free choice. Do you see how all of this works? This isn't just some words going together. He thrown together. He's saying, "I've given you literally everything you need. Most and first importantly, that didn't say right. That didn't come out right. Most importantly, first and foremost, that's actually what I was trying to say. Me. I'm doing this whole thing. I'm just asking you to co-labor." with me. Collaborate. Co-labor. I don't need you. I want you. Well, I got to do something for the Lord. No, you don't. You got to do something for you. The Lord's going to do his work either way. Well, the Lord needs me. No, he doesn't. If you hear that come out of your mouth, then you need to repent. Cause that's ego. But the Lord says, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. I didn't pour out myself. And not, not, this is when I came to manifest. I came to manifest on the earth. First of all, in the earth. First, you're, we're, we're earthen vessels. We are earth. Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. We are earth. So He says, first of all, in the earth. Even the Lord's prayer. In some places, some places, in the way that He's shown it to me, it's in the earth. In earth as it is in heaven. Because if it's in us, then it'll get on. Think about that. We'll talk about that another day. But he says, when I come, this is how you know I'm here. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience, gentleness, goodness, faith. Meekness, not weakness, look it up. Temperance or self governance or self control against which there is no law. Why does he say that? Because he's saying that's how we're supposed to operate. He's saying, if you're, if, 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 when I manifest myself in your life, This is what people should see. If you're operating in unconditional love, there is no regulation against that because unconditional love is going to make you, cause you to treat other humans, your neighbors. It's going to cause you to treat your neighbors as you want to be treated. It's going to cause you to take them into account, into consideration. It's going to cause you to want to hear me so that I can get my love to others. When you love, then that also illuminates your soul. And and then, then your soul will inform your behavior. Your identity will inform your speech. So, if someone needs food out of love, you won't have a problem giving it to them if I tell you that's what I want to do, if I compel you to go to them. This is not about you and your ministry. It has always been, saith the Lord, about me demonstrating my love to people in and on this earth. In you first. Then through you in a manner where people know I came for them. Not just you individually. Not because you all have it together. No one has it together. You've all fallen short. That's why I came. And if you aren't a vessel for my love, then don't who who who's gonna be? It doesn't mean no one else will be. It just means that we can't take it for granted. He could override it. He could override our choices, but he won't. That's not, what he, that's not what he promised himself. We aren't responsible for holding the Lord to his word. He promised himself. He made a covenant. The first covenant was between the father and the son. Then that manifested in his covenant with Abram and everyone else he had a covenant with along the way, including us. Taking the Lord's name in vain means I want to claim Christianity. I want to claim to be religious in some way, particularly for Christians. But I don't have any of this fruit. That means I'm bearing children of another. The fruit of my womb is looking like 19 through 21, a spiritual womb, by the way. It's looking like Galatians 5:19 through 21 versus Galatians 5, 22. 23 and he says and they that are christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and lusts let me just say that the affections and the lusts are not just sexual because that's what many people would have you believe that's not what he's saying affections inclinations lust isn't just about sex lust is about money for the love of money is the root of all evil. <laughs> it all goes together. Read the whole Bible. Affections and lust are, well, I need to tell them because they are doing the, uh uh-uh, there ain't no they. When you read the Bible, the Bible is, he talking to you. There might be some places where it's evident that it is a collective instruction. But at the end of the day, the collective instruction still has to be carried out. It's never carried out by a group. It's carried about about out, carried out by individuals who then come together. We see people coming together and we want to label them. That's not to say there aren't dysfunctional groups. We've all been in them. It's not in them now. But it is to say that even if the instruction of the Lord is to a collective, is, to, is public, I like to say public and private revelation, the public instruction still has to be executed at a private level before the result can be public. That's why he says what you do in secret is going to come out. He doesn't care whether it's good or bad. That's the principle. What you do privately is what I'm going to expose and what I'm going to show. Let me finish this up. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh. That's what repentance does. Repentance is a crucifixion of the flesh. It's applying the cross of Christ from a spiritual perspective to the unruly affections, inclinations, and lusts that we deal with, not only sexual, but in every possible way where he says, okay, I know I gave you financial resources, but you're relying on those a little bit too much. That's an affection. That's a lust. We, I don't have, and I'm speaking, uh, let's just put it this way because I don't want you to think I'm talking about myself when I'm not. Someone might say, I don't have as much as so-and-so. He already told us, why are you envying? Why are you jealous? Why are you lusting after somebody, coveting somebody else's stuff? And the stuff could be material or it could be spirit, soul, or body. It could be any and or body. So it could be a spiritual thing. Oh, they can pray. Let me go to them to pray. No, he wants you to pray. Oh, they have a talent and a gift. I want them to sing in my choir. No, that's not what he said. Is that what he's telling you, or are you coveting something he didn't tell you that, that you were supposed to have? Or he hasn't told you yet that that's the person. And so you look over someone else who may be powerful in the spirit because they don't fit your standard. They don't look the way you want them to look when actually he could be bringing you something much greater than you could have imagined because when we say the scripture above all you can ask or think above all you haven't imagined yet what the lord wants for you but you're cursing it at the same time because you won't allow yourself to live outside of that narrow myopic place that of cursing that you live in so you're missing out on the blessing of the lord you don't know what you've missed up to this point repentance will keep you in line because it'll start to nail that flesh to the cross of christ that's what he means when he says take up your cross He's not telling us to walk around like, oh, woe is me. i got to carry this cross. Why would you do that? Christ already did that. If you say you're going to do that, that means that you think you're Christ. You're not. He's saying apply the cross of Christ from a spiritual perspective through your repentance. You're saying that I believe that this is what Christ did. And based on that, I'm applying this to those inclinations in me that don't line up with the fruit of the Spirit. And I receive you, Holy Spirit, to lead and guide me in all truth because I know that you are God and there is no other. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vain glory provoking one another envying one another. yet this is how we live. Regardless of your place in the world, spiritually speaking, not religious, not religion, this is specifically for Christians but if you're listening and you're in a uh, what's called a valley of decision, you haven't made a decision you don't know, you're trying to get more insight or whatever, welcome. Before I close out this segment today, I just want to say the Lord died for all. And if anyone, anyone, particularly someone who claims to be a Christian, is telling you anything different, they're lying to you. But we have to be true. We don't know everything. We won't know everything. But the Lord died for all. All families of the earth should be blessed. We should all experience life and more abundantly. And it's up to those of us that claim to be believers in the Lord, to be seekers of the Lord, to make ourselves available so that we can be fruit in its season to everyone who needs it. It's time to pivot out of seasons of cursing into seasons of the greatest blessings we've not yet imagined. My name is Michelle. Thank you for joining me today for this segment of Daily Bread with Jam, a podcast by the Holy Spirit You channel. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.